This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morrison. This week we're recapping our record-setting NCAA championships for the 13 Bates swimmers who qualified for the national meet. Plus, the spring season gets underway for the rowing teams this Saturday and Sunday in sunny San Diego. Hear from head coach Peter Steenstra about the exciting competition they'll face. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. Bates Swimming and Diving sent 13 swimmers to the NCAA Championships, the most in program history. The Bobcats turned in terrific performances across the board, with the Bates women finishing 14th out of 46 scoring teams and the Bates men 24th out of 43 scoring teams. For the women, sophomore Grace Wenger matched Sarah DeHara's record for most All-America honors at a single NCAA Championships with seven, which is the most any performer can get. Wenger's top performances include a sixth-place showing in the 200 freestyle and helping the Bates 200 freestyle relay team take eighth, both program best finishes. And Grace Wenger is our female Bobcat of the Week. Grace, what a weekend for the swimming and diving team, and you in particular. You got seven All-America honors, which is the most anyone can get at the swimming and diving NCAA championships. And But it wasn't what you were planning on doing entirely. Tell us a little bit about the last-minute pivot you had to do in some of the medley relays, right? Yes. So one of our butterflies got injured. So I was originally supposed to be doing freestyle on one of the medley relays, and I got switched to butterfly. And then I was supposed to be in an individual event, which I got pulled out of to do butterfly on the other medley relay. <laughs> so what was the adjustment like for you? How did you make it? Um, it was, I mean, you got to do what you got to do sometimes, right? But I was fine with it. I mean, all our relays did so well, and I was so happy to be a part of all of them. Like, I couldn't have asked for a better meet. Everyone was right on their game. So. But in terms of, like, your training and stuff, you've been mm-hmm. doing mostly mostly freestyle recently? Yes. Yeah, I have been. Um, I used to do a lot of butterfly. Um, Peter had a lot of confidence <laughs> in me. He was kind of hyping me up. So, um, but, yeah, it wasn't too bad. One of your top performances was a sixth-place finish there in the 200-yard freestyle. Um, that's the best finish ever in that event for a Bobcat at mm-hmm. NCAAs. Tell me a little bit about that race. Obviously, the prelim is what's – Really important, right? You've got to get the top eight time. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So going into prelims, I was pretty excited, pretty jazzed. I wanted to make it back top eight. That was kind of my goal going into this meet. Um, Yeah. And it was just really, I did take my last, um, in finals, I took it out a little too fast, but I was just a little too excited, I think, (laughs) to have made it back in a national meet. So, um, but I was really happy with it. I mean... Everyone swam really well. Everyone dropped a lot of time from prelims, so it was a hard race. And the 200 freestyle, I believe, is also the one your twin sister competed in, right? Yes. What was it like to have her at the meet? It was amazing. Um, I haven't gotten to swim with her since high school, so it was great to have her at a meet, get her to meet the rest of my Bates team that I love. So, yeah, it was just it's kind of like two worlds colliding, but in the best way. Was she the only St. Lawrence swimmer there? Yes. Okay, so she was almost like an honorary member of yes, the Bates team. Yes, she was. Yeah. She was sitting with us. She came to some of our team dinners. So, yeah. That's awesome. And then, um, I mean, for you, what does it mean to, like, get the maximum amount of All-American honors? I mean, that, that ties Sarah DeHare, who's a legend here at Bates, right? Right, yeah. I mean, even to be compared to her is, like, very flattering <laughs> because she's amazing. Um, yeah. I mean, I can't really take all the credit. Like, five of those are from relays with three other fantastic athletes. So, um, 
Yeah, it really was a team effort. Yeah, there a bunch of relays as uh, all were all American, right? Yeah, yeah, all of them. So that's just I mean, and the eight hundred free, I know uh, ninth place showing, so um, mm-hmm. won the consolation final. That must be a pretty good feeling to come in first in the race, right? Yes, yeah. We weren't seated super well, so we mm. didn't know how it was going to play out, but everyone really brought their A game on that one. Were you anchoring all these relays, it looks like, or some of them at least? Some of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's the experience like anchoring relay compared to, you know, leading it off or swimming in the middle of it? I mean, there's always that extra pressure when, like, um, the third leg is coming in and it's tied and you're like, oh, like, you just got to, like, dig down and try to um, win that race. But it's always kind of fun, too, because, you know, it's always a good race. Um, Yeah. And then this was your, obviously, your first trip to NCAAs. It was Mm -hmm. Most of the team, not all the team, but most of the team's first trip to NCAA. Yes. So take me through the experience of this meet compared to, you know, the dual meets and maybe even NESCACs. Right. I mean, even just walking into the, facil- the facility, it was gorgeous. It was huge. Like, oh, it was crazy. Like, even just walking in, I think my jaw dropped. And there were just, like, 300 athletes or however many there were. It was just very surreal when you first walked in especially without masks and Mm. it just felt like everything was back to normal it was kind of crazy and so the length of the pool different than turbo or the same it's the same they have um, a bulkhead that moves back and forth so they can set it to either 50 meters for some competitions and 25 yards for our purposes Okay, so D3, it's always going to be 25 yards? Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, be, that'd be tough to adjust, right? Yeah, no, 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 for yeah. sure. Gotcha, gotcha. And then, um, well, I mean, just what was maybe of all the races you were in, what's the one that leaves the biggest impact, at least right now in your mind? Any one that stands out in particular? Yes. Um, our four free relay. Mm-hmm. It was our last event on Saturday night. We had two amazing seniors on our relay. Um, yeah, that was their retirement swim. We all... Um, Went best times in our splits, and it was just an amazing relay. And that was those seniors were uh, Caroline Sweeney and Susie Rickman, yes. right? Yes. So that was that was the last event of the entire meet, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. gotcha. And were you? What were you? Were you leading that I one off? I was leading off. Okay. Yes. Okay. So that must be fun. You lead it off, and you get to watch the other seniors. Exactly. Yeah. 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 They got to bring it home, which was great. Excellent. And then, um, you know, you know, having such a big group there, what was that like? Because that was one of the biggest groups we've ever had. Yes, it was. It was amazing. I mean, just not only getting to go to the meet with all my teammates, but also this four or five weeks between NESCACs and Nationals would have been so hard without them. And it was, I mean, it was hard in general, but I I definitely couldn't have done it without having such a solid group of people to train with. So now that the season's wrapped up, uh, what are some thoughts about, you know, what some of your goals are kind of moving forward uh, into uh, next year? Because you're only, you're only, this was your first year, you're only a sophomore here. Right, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely, I mean, I definitely want to keep going back to nationals and trying to get my personal, um, increase my personal placement, like individual placement. Um, I also want to keep having our super solid relays because we can definitely place top 10. We mm. were pretty close. So I think that's a good goal for our program in general. Yeah, well, it was, a, it was cool to see the 200 free relay get in that championship final, right? Yes. Yeah, that was really exciting. I know Vanessa was texting me. She was really excited about that one. Mm. I mean, just being on the podium, what was that like, you know, with your teammates? It was crazy, especially that two free relay. We've definitely had our ups and downs with that relay, and it's been like the same relay all season. 
So getting, and we've been putting in like extra effort and practices, doing specific training um, for it. So just getting to finish it off with the same people and finish off top eight All-American was the best feeling ever. And that's a true sprint there, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you prefer the real sprints like that or do you prefer the, you know, like the 500 free, for instance, when you're more of a marathon? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I would definitely say I prefer sprints because <laughs> 500 free is pretty long. Yeah. Um, I'm historically a little better at like the more mid-distance mm. 200, 500 races. But the sprints are probably just more exciting, right? They're more fun. Yeah. They're shorter. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And then, I mean, of your teammates, I mean, obviously everyone stood out, but it was kind of, mm-hmm. I mean, I know I saw Sophie Castle get on the yes. podium for a couple of events. I mean, what's it like to have, a, you know, she's a first year. Yes. What can you say about what she's been able to do? It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, going to her first national championship and placing as well as she did, and after such a long season, it's hard to adjust from high school swimming to college swimming in general. So being able to do that all in your first year is incredible. Yeah, and your adjustment was obviously a unique one last year. We talked about this before, yeah. but the training, what was that like last year and how did that prepare you, if if at all, for this season? <laughs> yeah, last year was definitely very different than this year was. Um, it was a lot of just getting to know the team, getting involved just with the team culture. It was mostly inter-squad meets and, well, only inter-squad meets last year. Hmm. So there wasn't a lot of getting ready for competition. But, I mean, there was that aspect of you're training this whole year and you haven't, like, gotten anything to see your improvement. Like, you haven't fully raced. So there's that big jump from a couple years ago to this year, which is always exciting to drop a good chunk of time. Yeah, and it seems like D3 in general was extremely fast this year. It was extremely fast. NESCAC teams were really fast, too. It was all... A lot of um, D3 records were broken at Nationals. It was crazy to watch. And the NESCAC teams, it's fun to have them there too, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I've often heard that it's like you're cheering each other on, basically, and you're no longer really competitors at that point. Is right. that a fair statement? Yeah. We <laughs> had our little NESCAC cheer on Saturday or Friday, I guess. Um, yeah, I had some NESCAC girls in my two free final, mm. and it was always exciting to be like, great job, NESCACs, you know. Um, yeah, it's kind of nice. Excellent. What are your thoughts you wanted to share about the meet that we haven't got to talk about yet? Um, I just want to say how proud I am of everyone for making it and doing so well. We had some great team records. We had some great best times and some just great overall swims. So just great job to everyone who's there. All right, Grace Wenger, thank you so much for joining us. Seven-time All-American in one meet and our female Bobcat of the Week. Thanks again. Thank you. We mentioned the men finished 24th in the country. This is even more impressive when you realize they only sent two swimmers to the meet. Senior Andrew Hall became an All-American with his 13th place showing the 200 IM, and junior Nathan Berry earned the maximum three individual All-America honors, with his 6th place finish in the 50 freestyle, 8th place in the 100 freestyle, and 10th in the 100 back. Berry broke program records in all three events, and he is our male Bobcat of the Week. I wasn't able to go uh, my freshman year, and so this was this was a really big opportunity, and going into the meet, our coach was like, if you guys can come back at night and score any points, that would be fantastic because we were pretty much just on the cusp of like making it at all. For Andrew and I to be able to score any points at all was fantastic, let alone make like considerable night swims and get top 24 in the country. Um, that's, that was really impressive and not really what we thought was going to happen going into the meet. It really surprised us. It was great. 
And then you made some history yourself. Uh, no men's swimmer. We've had divers place this high, uh, a little bit higher actually, but no Bates men's swimmers ever placed as high as you did in any event. Uh, 50-yard freestyle, sixth place. Take us through that event, the prelim obviously being the key to get into that final, right? Oh, yeah. Everything's one in the morning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, going into it, like, the 50 free is just so technical of a race. Mm. It's it's not enough to just go at 100% the entire time because that's what everybody does in the 50. So in order to win, you have to really think about and break down every tiny piece, every, like, tenth of a second what you're going to do in that fi- in those 20 seconds or so. Um, so, that, I mean, that's what I've been thinking about for the past four or five years is honing the 50 free, the technique, the, the you know, I trained five years to swim 20 seconds as, as well as I can. Um, so going into it, I mean, the, the things that I was thinking about specifically for this one is I wanted to make sure that uh, my breakout stroke was at the was faster than my swimming speed. So you want to break mm-hmm. out a little bit faster than your swimming so you're not like slowing down. Um, so in order to do that, I would turn on to my side just a little bit for the first stroke to really uh, get the tempo going. And then other than that, like all of the the detailed technical work, I try to work like really smart in practice, not necessarily just hard, but work smart so that when you're at a meet, you can't really think about all those things in the 20 seconds. You have to do all the thinking before. And then at the meet, it's just jump hard, push hard, swim hard, kick hard. Certainly. I mean, 20.02 seconds. Mm-hmm. I think the winner was like 19.5. Yes. Which seems incredibly fast to me. I don't know what your thoughts are and, you know, what it takes to get down to that level <laughs> or up to that level. I guess. Uh, it's yeah, it's a lot of strength and a lot of a lot of hard work. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Gluley, I think, mm-hmm. uh, is who that was. I'm, Division three is, uh, you know, about mid 19s is about the, mm-hmm. the fastest that we get to or mm-hmm. that, that we've gotten to historically. There's some people that are like 17, six in division one, mm-hmm. um, just craziness up there. Um, just freak athletes and, and hard, hard, hard work to get down to there. Is breaking 20 seconds kind of your next kind of goal? I mean, you're at 20.02, right? Uh, <laughs> Were you hoping yes. to do it this time around? Yes. Oh, you I, were. Okay. I've yeah. been trying to do it for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Some people have been saying I'm allergic to 19. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's what I'm trying to do ultimately. That was kind of my goal going in. I mm. just missed it, but it's it's okay. It was still my best race ever. Um, right. So you know, I, I'll never be I'll never be unhappy with the best time. And then you mentioned obviously everything's one in the morning. Mm-hmm. So what what is the final meet kind of like compared to that? I mean, because you gotta wait a bit. I mean, the morning races start at ten in the morning, and you don't race again until what after six o'clock. Yep. So yeah. so after the morning, you have to get your lunch. You have to go take a nap for uh, an hour, two hours, whatever you can, so that you're rested up. So you're not you know you're not just like sitting around going exploring the Indianapolis Zoo, even though I would want to. <laughs> right. um, you got You're you got a job to do. You got to do things right. Um, so you got to prepare, rest and relax, um, put your feet up, do your stretching. Um, and then at night, it's like electric because everybody has usually you in uh, Division three, everybody trains after classes. Mm. So people are have been gearing up to swim at that time at 5 p.m., 6 p.m., 7 p.m. So everyone's nervous system is ready to go. Everyone's going a lot faster at night. Um, people are feeling good. And uh, the warm-up pool is actually less crowded at night because there's fewer people swimming. So it's easier to get in what you need to get in before 
um, before the race happens. So, you know, everyone is honed in on exactly what they're doing. They got one job to do. So you're, you swear on the maximum three individual events. So you didn't have any events on day two, though. So how do you kind of handle that off day, if you will? Are you just rooting on all the all the other swimmers for Bates who are there, or how do you approach that? Yeah, that's pretty much my job. Yeah. Um, when I'm when I'm not swimming is to is to be rooting on everybody else, and so that's what I did. But uh, you still do have to get in. Um, I did like in the morning, uh, even though I wasn't swimming in an event that day, I could still get in the pool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did like a meet warm up, if you will. So it's uh, I did like the exact same thing that I would do to prepare for my 100 back the next day. I just didn't swim the 100 back. Right. Um, and then at night, I just kind of got in and loosened and made sure my muscles were all, all all nice and not tight and not stiff. And you broke your own record in the 100 back as well at base. I did. Yep. 47.89 seconds. And uh, that was in what they call the consolation final. But still, I mean, that was second in the consolation final. Good for All-America honors. I mean, you must have been pretty satisfied with that performance, right? <laughs> yeah. That was, I mean, that I think that was my best race mm. of, of the entire, like, in terms of my goals that I had going into it, 47.8 was, like, exactly what I thought I could do if I did the race perfectly and, like, nailed everything. Um there's still gains to be made. Like I'm not saying I won't get faster, um, but a lot of that is going to come with strength uh, and conditioning that I don't yet have at this stage. Mm. But I was just like, right now, 47.8 is what I could do if I nailed everything. From a technical perspective, that From was what you wanted. From a technical perspective, yeah. yeah. Awesome. And then Saturday was really exciting. Vanessa uh, Williamson texted me the videos like, you got to post this. <laughs> 100 freestyle. You broke Teddy Pender's record. So congratulations on that. I mean, that must have been something that you were keeping an eye on also, right? I had my eye on it, <laughs> but I, I, that was the one that surprised me the most. Mm. That The 100 free has always kind of been my nemesis, um, <laughs> as Coach says. Um I, I've never been able to like swim it very well, even though by all means I should be able to swim a pretty good hundred free. I just never quite figured out how to do it. So this year I was really working on like the race plan. How am I going to swim it? What's what's what am I actually going to do in this race? Um, and it just all kind of paid off. And I thought in the morning I was like, man, I'd love to go forty-four or five, maybe you know, flirt with the record. But I was like, man, I'm I'm really gonna be. I just hope I don't go 45 0 because I've been a lot of stuff. Oh. You know, 22 0, 20.0. I just didn't want. I wanted to break 45. Right. And then look up at the clock. 44 1. That was a lot faster than I thought it was gonna go. It was it was exciting for me. Yeah. And at that point, the night swim is just kind of icing on the cake almost, right? I mean, it's just, yeah. We don't have to talk about. Yeah. That. <laughs> there's some. There's yeah. There's some things that uh, that I should have been paying attention to and, and thinking about that I didn't take into account. And so, you know, a lot of stuff can happen there. Mm. Um, but still got the still got the trophy. What was the venue like? I mean, uh, Grace was telling me it was huge. Oh, it's massive. That's like the biggest spectator area natatorium in the country or something mm. like that. that. Like it's it can be really overwhelming, um, especially for a lot of these like uh, freshmen and sophomores and even juniors who have not been to like a big national meet before it's like a big deal and you got to deal with like kind of imposter syndrome that might happen like do I belong here like I just squeaked in or like maybe some people are thinking like I'm only on a relay I can't compete with these big dogs but um you gotta be able to no I do belong here like I made it this is my job and this I get an opportunity to swim in the fastest pool in the country and it's the facility is so well managed and 
the water was so nice. And uh, fun fact, it was actually had some salinity to it. So if it's salty, you float better. Okay. Um, kind of like the Dead Sea. Well, and that's great you know? for backstroke, I think. Great, yeah, yeah great yeah, yeah, for yeah. backstroke. Yeah. Great for every stroke. Right. When you're yeah. trying to you're trying to keep the hips up and stay in line. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they they just think about everything in that pool. So yeah, when you say it's the fastest pool, a person who's not a swimming expert like myself might be like, "What makes a pool fast?" And part of it's the salt, I guess. Tell us yeah, a little bit more I mean, about that. There's, you're struggling for like hundredths of a second here, uh-huh, right? right? So right, right, like, yeah. it's not like anything is going to make a huge, huge <laughs> difference. But yes, the salt content of the pool helps, and also the depth of the pool helps. So if you have a deep pool, when you do your dolphin kicks underwater, you actually get propelled forward rather than if you're just hitting the like basically right against the bottom mm. or right against the wall, uh, the water can't go anywhere, so it can't push you forward. Um, so you have a lot more space when it's a deep pool. Um, they have really good blocks with uh, the handles are in exactly the right place to maximize your strength. Um, the walls, you don't slip on the walls, and they have the the like lines on the bottom of the pool that are exactly in the right place, so you never miss the walls. Um, and then... Finally, just the mental, the mental side of it, where you're like, this is the, this is where everybody, Michael Phelps has swam here, everybody who's an Olympian has swam here. This is like a fast pool, quote unquote, you know, fast yeah. pool. Got the reputation and the the, the elements to back right. that up. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, obviously, you and Andrew were there with eleven, well, uh, ten, and it ended up being ten based from competing, but eleven qualified. But I mean, like. So a big group. What was that dynamic like to have everyone there? Oh, it was awesome to have everybody there because, you know, if it's only like four or five people or even just one person, like in the early 2000s, they were basically lucky to qualify one person. It can be kind of like, okay, I got to swim my race. Now I got to be away from all my friends. I can't (laughs) talk to anybody. But when you have a big group and everyone's like cheering for you and everything, it's great because like – on my off day, if I didn't have anybody to cheer for, I would have been bored out of my mind. <laughs> right. But I got to cheer on, you know, Grace and Sweeney and and I honestly can't even remember who exactly was in the relay on that day. But, like, everybody was just swimming so fast and it didn't have to just be one person or just a couple people. Um, you had a lot of swims there to make it really exciting and worth it. So you're a junior, obviously. Um this is your first NCAAs because of COVID, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now what are some goals you have in your mind kind of moving forward, you know, senior year coming up? Technically, everyone has more eligibility left, but obviously that's a whole other situation. But in terms for you, what are some goals you have kind of for this next year coming up uh, as you train here in the off season? I really want to make the last year count. Yeah. I don't want to be, you know, I'm, I think I, I am not really going to be looking at a fifth year. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people are kind of debating it. I don't I'm still on the fence, but I, I think probably not. Mm-hmm. So I, I really want to make the last year count. Um, so a lot of what I'm going to be doing in the off season is uh, lifting, focusing on strength. Because uh, for sprinting and the stuff I do, I don't need a whole lot of cardio and endurance. Um, and all of the cardio and endurance that I need for those races, I will get in season starting in September when we do the swim practices. So what I can't get a lot of in season is getting bigger, getting stronger, because a lot of the stuff we do in the weight room is meant to maintain Mm. um, during season. So in the off season, a lot of what I'm going to be focusing on is just um, getting as strong as possible and kind of pulling Edmund Jiang, if you will. (laughs) He, he, like last off season, he just focused on lifting and just got huge and then dropped like a second and a half in the 100 floor. Right. 
So um, that's what I'm going to try to going to try to emulate that a little bit for my for my sprint races. So a lot of time in the weight room. Yeah. A lot of time in the pool also, or how do you balance that? Um, I probably won't do like as much time in the pool mm. as I would in season. Right. I'm going to be doing a lot of probably focusing on technique, a little bit of cardio to maintain. I don't want to yeah. get totally out of shape. <laughs> um, but float around, make sure I maintain the feel, maintain the technique. I don't want to lose anything that I've got, but I'm not necessarily going to be looking to build a whole lot in the pool during right. the off-season. Interesting. Excellent. Well, any other thoughts you wanted to share about the meet we haven't gotten to talk about yet? Well, I was just so, so impressed with everybody. I mean, with Grace uh, getting seven All-Americans, just insane. Nobody's yeah. done that since Sarah Dayer one year, 2015. And Andrew Hall, I'm so happy that he got to he yeah. got to come to the national meet as well. He, you know, he was telling me, like, he wished he had scored more. But, I mean, he got, like, best times, and he actually did – score like he got four points and without those four points we would not be top 24 right and i mean it might seem like an arbitrary number but like they only show 24 things on the scoreboard 24 teams so mm. you know it's kind of a kind of an exciting number so um i'm just really happy that he got to finish off his senior year with uh with a fantastic meet and some great times and um i hope i can do the same next year Sounds good. Nathan Barry, Male Bobcat of the Week, uh, All-American in all three events. You compete in there at Nationals. Thanks so much for joining the Bobcats. Really appreciate it. Thank you. The men's tennis team was in action on Saturday and defeated the visiting MIT engineers by a count of 6-3. to three. Junior Leo Kupferman teamed with Teddy Coiti to win 8-3 to three at number two doubles, and Kupferman won in straight sets at number three singles. The Bobcats have won both their home matches so far this year. And the strong junior class continues to lead the way. You and Teddy Coiti hadn't really played doubles before the last couple of matches, but it seems like it's going really well. How, how's that chemistry developing? It's developing really well. Um, we were friends since, since freshman year, um, since we've been on the team. And we also knew each other a little bit before um, coming to Bates, just because we're both from New Jersey. And uh, we also lived together last year, so that also helped a lot, obviously. Um, and it's super easy to like give each other tips and um, let each other know like what to do if if they if they see something. Great, and then take us through the two matches you played here um, against MIT. Your your doubles match, obviously a, a good win there, and then also in singles for you as well, right? Right. So the doubles started out really strong for us. All three doubles matches we won, um, which was really big for us. Got off to a, a good start just with bringing the energy. I think. It's not always easy to start off strong with um, just like playing well every point. So just like st staying um, really focused in in the match is really important. And then how did you like, adjust to get into singles play as well there? So for singles, um, definitely it's hard to get the energy back up sometimes uh, starting the next match. But it's really helpful to have my team there. And my coaches were also really helpful just to like give me a little tips to just get me going terrific and then take us back to when you were in high school you know being from new jersey what appealed to you about Bates? um i definitely liked the idea of going to a smaller school because i went to a pretty large high school that was similar size to this and i felt like um that was pretty comfortable um and i was looking at a lot of northeastern schools because they're academically really strong and also the tennis is um, pretty accessible. So talking to Coach Gassinger here was really a good experience because he f I felt like he was more of um, like cared about me instead of like my play. 
And then, um, interesting, I talked to Teddy about this, about how there's no seniors on this year's team. Mm -hmm. So what's this junior group like, thinking, wow, we've got, you know, two years to try to really build something here, right? Right. So this year we wanted to start off really strong in the fall um, because we felt like the six, or we, like we have five juniors, I think, right now. And um, we didn't have a ton of experience, but we felt like we could really spread the culture really well. So I felt like we were able to foster... Um, some good uh, comp competition within the team. And it was tough to definitely be in the off season without like the seniors, because I felt like we could have had some more leadership there, but we definitely were able to get through it. And now we're seemingly pretty good. Well, I'm curious just because you are juniors, but as you mentioned, the last two years, there really hasn't been a ton of tennis, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's been the case for all the spring sports. It's kind of almost like your, it is basically your first full season. So do you feel like a junior or do you feel like you're still kind of getting your feet in college tennis a little bit? Um, I feel like every time I step onto the court for competition, it's um, definitely something that's like super important every time. Um, that feeling doesn't really go away, mm -hmm. but it's definitely something special to compete for the school for sure i want to know about um playing here at merrill because you know the Mendicott match was everyone's first home match at merrill gym mm -hmm. uh, as their time at bait so what's it like for you competing here uh i like it a lot i mean we get to play here all year round so it's right. super super great for us to be able to get used to the courts and that's something we kind of take pride in that we get to play here because um it's something we can use for our advantage and we definitely we're able to in those two home matches, I think. Um, and it's just nice to have the, like the crowd can be here and it's um, a really cool environment, I think. And then tell me about growing up, uh, how did you get involved in tennis in the first place? Um, my dad played when he was a kid and he likes the sport a lot and he played a bit when I was young and then he kind of got all my, I have two siblings and we all kind of got into it a bit and I just felt like it was really fun and I kind of excelled in it at the beginning so I felt like if I worked hard I could I could play a lot. You kind of took a natural feel to it almost? Um, I feel like I felt like team sports weren't really my thing mm. so I felt like that was definitely something I, I was into. Well you mentioned that like tennis is a very individual sport but at college the college level it is also you know a team sport how, how do you kind of balance that? Um, in, in the college tennis, I feel like it's really, really great to have a team environment while we're competing because although you're actually just competing by yourself, you actually have a bunch of people around you to support you and give you tips and help you get through that match instead of being there all by yourself, like alone with your thoughts. Right, right. And then what are some goals you have in your mind uh, kind of moving forward this season? Um, I think as a team, we are all looking to make a kind of a scene at NESCACs. Um, we definitely want to kind of shake up things within the conference because I feel like a lot of teams don't see us as competitive with them, mm. like Tufts and Middlebury and Williams and them. But I feel like um, even on our worst day, I think we can – we can really be competitive. Well, I was going to say, because you had those road matches at Williams, at Middlebury, and the final score maybe wasn't as what you wanted, obviously, but some of the matches looked like were really close. Yeah, we had some great takeaways from that weekend, I think. 
um, we got some great um, experience. Um, our sophomore, Alex Googe, Alex Googe Rothy, got a great win mm-hmm. against Williams. And he was, he was competing really well the whole weekend, I think. And everybody was showing some great energy. And I think that's really the most important thing. And you get a lot of home matches at the, towards the end of the year, right? That's mm-hmm. got to be pretty exciting, right? Yeah, that's definitely something we're all looking forward to. Um, it's a bit stressful to have to travel, um, right. sometimes on both days, too. Mm. So it's going to be nice to have that uh, home field advantage, for sure. You've got a journey to Skidmore this week, right? Headed out to New York. Uh, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on this non-conference match? Uh, we're looking forward to it because it's a good team that we don't always get to compete against. And it's really cool that our coach got to set this up. And um, it's going to be fun because also the women's team is going. So we'll be able to watch them as well, and they'll, they'll watch us too. Yeah, because you're playing on different days, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. What are your thoughts you wanted to share about the season so far we haven't got to talk about? I'm just feeling pretty proud of our team so far. I think it's pretty cool that although we don't have seniors, we're able to like lead our lead ourselves and we have a bunch of freshmen that can I think do a lot of great things as well. Great, Leo. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Congrats again on a great win there over MIT. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. The rowing teams head across the country to the San Diego Crew Classic this weekend, where the women and men will open the spring season against a variety of West Coast schools, mostly from the Division I level. Head coach Peter Steenstrup previews the two-day event. Well, Coach, this is kind of new since at least I've been here, the San Diego Crew Classic. Tell us about this event coming up this weekend. Yeah, the last time we went was in 2013. Um, we had taken a similar-sized group. We took three women's eights and a four and then two men's eights. Um, so it was a good-sized group. Um, but it's it's an early season, or at least it, it's like the traditional opening of the racing season. For the, it's you know as compared to the Charles, which is the closing of mm. right. This is the opening of, and it's it helps out with you know covers a lot of bases. Just getting some more visibility for um, the college on the West Coast, and it also um, does something for us in terms of a, a major trip. Right, that's sort of irregular, not not common for us, and um, you know we wanted to do something that was going to signify kind of the end of COVID in a way, but also just bringing everyone back together because you know we went through last spring, and even though we were very fortunate to be able to race and be able to do some stuff, it was limited, and we didn't we weren't able to travel with too many people. Um, so we have you know two thirds of our team has never raced for Bates before, so. Know, to get out there with as many people as we can and, and to get this this season started in a positive way with a big energetic event is really kind of what we were fo- focused on. So, um, course, is it like a just a straight-up 2K race or is it more of a winding race like the Charles? No, no, this is a straight 2K okay. race. It's in Mission Bay. Um, it is a good seven or eight lanes, so it's a big legitimate race course the only problem with it being that it's kind of tidal <laughs> so you have the tides coming in and out the starting line is uh, right underneath the sea world uh whatever that park is you know shamu or whatever uh, the, the killer whales are uh-huh. there so it, it, it's a bit of a bit of a circus in some r- respects but it's a great race course a good traditional event um huge number of youth programs high schools clubs even right up through masters events so it's a big, big regatta, you know, with a, a hundred different programs are involved. 
Wow. And then so for the women and men, who are they going to – who's their competition? Like is it like collegiate eights like it is for the Charles or are the men going to be going up against like some universities like they do at IRA sometimes? Well, the big uh, – well, two different stories here. On, okay. on, on one side, <laughs> on one side, on the women's side, they are going to end up racing a lot of the Division One, the okay. top, top programs. Like for instance, um, they've divided up the, the events so you kind of have a – the Varsity 8 is, has two different events, okay. and w- the top one would be considered an invitational only. So mm-hmm. we couldn't register for it. You have to be invited to be in it. Mm-hmm. And that's where Texas and Cal and Stanford and you know all those big, big programs are. The funny thing is that the JV event is one event. So our, our second eight is going to race Washington, uh-huh. Texas, yeah. Cal, <laughs> UCLA, like you, you name it, right? right. They are, they're racing the biggest programs there oh. are. Um, so that that's going to be fun for them, just to kind of line up against them and, and see what they can do. There is, of course, a wide array of programs on the West Coast. Um, you have very large clubs. You have, you know, D three is is a little bit of a curiosity for the folks on the West Coast. They don't have a whole lot of D three. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a separate D three event, but we're not entered in that because oh. um, it wouldn't be, you know, to go there and just have that event wouldn't necessarily be enough for us. Mm. Uh, I, I want to put them up against people who are supposed to beat us, mm. and uh, we'll, we'll see if we can hang on to them. Okay, so then who are the varsity going up against? Well, I'm supposed to name them right off the top of my head, aren't I? No, 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 no. It's okay. <laughs> it's just, I mean, is uh, it going to be like Williams? And... It'll be Sacramento. It'll be a bunch of D1s. So it will have, be D1s. Okay. Yeah, you have UCSD, which is a recently a Division One program. Okay, right. Then there's USD which is also right. D1. Yes. And you're going to have uh, Sacramento State, and you're going to have uh, okay. various like California State universities. So it sounds like the varsity will be going up against kind of lower-level D1s, and the JV8 yeah. will be going up against the higher-level D1s. Yeah, I mean, mid, yeah, it, I would say that I would call them mid-level D1s because okay. you have Gonzaga, you have Oklahoma. Okay. Right off the top of my head, I can't think of all no, of them. Yeah. But, okay. but, yeah, there's, I think, 14 or 15 schools in that event. Yeah. And the JV8 is going to race the same group, uh-huh. but add in, add in the top end D1 sure. programs, right? Okay. The real big ones. So that's a great experience. Obviously, the women really excited oh, yeah. for this. Oh yeah, it's yeah. a great experience, and uh, it's a, a great experience because we don't know any of these teams at all. Like whether it's sure we can identify which ones are Washington and Texas, yeah. but our rowers aren't going to really know the difference between Gonzaga and UCSD or you name it, right? Yeah, um, it's all pretty fresh and new to us, and and it's good to go into a race where there's the expectation should just lie within our own boat, right? Mm-hmm. We're not practicing before we get there. Aside from Friday, we're going to get out on the water for just a little run over the course, just to make sure we remember how to row and know right. where all the stuff is. Um, but for the most part, it, it's uh, going into it kind of blind and, and just putting everything on the line to, to just get some rowing done. Are there heats and finals, or how does that format work? There are. It, it's just two heats with uh, mm-hmm. with two finals on Sunday. Okay. Yeah. So everyone that's going, aside from uh, just the men's third eight, is the only one not racing twice. Okay. So everyone else is at least guaranteed two races. Okay. And that's part of the reason why it, it kind of makes sense to do this kind of a trip. We are going to get on the water at least three times, hopefully four, mm. uh, if, if all goes well on Thursday when we arrive. But, um, yeah, that's kind of the idea. Gotcha. And who are the men up against then? So the men, it's a fun thing. Um, none of the – well, I shouldn't say none. Not too many of the bigger Division One programs have decided to go. Okay. Uh, but we do have UCSD, which is a D1 program on the men's side. The big 
um, story is that ASR Nereus, which is the Dutch a Dutch program, okay. which has won Henley a number of times, which was originally brought over to race Washington mm. uh, in part of their you know early season series of racing. Something happened at, up at Washington. I don't know some disciplinary action. I think, but anyway, Nereus had already planned to be at San Diego. Um, but what they're doing is they're taking the same idea. You have this sort of invite group and then the rest of us. And we're in there with MIT and we're in there with um, even Purdue's club, which is a big club. Mm-hmm. But you have the USDs, the UCSD, all the others are in there as well. Uh, even Orange Coast College is another one that's a it's – a, it's actually a two-year college that has a very, very big and successful mm-hmm. uh, rowing program. And a lot of those guys actually transfer into – like Cal or Washington or something like that. Um, But, yeah, our our guys are going to have a nice, uh, interesting race there, and and they've decided to bring the two groups together, the invite and then the regular group, which is called Cal Cup. They're bringing them all together and then having three heats with top two making the what will be the invite final. Mm -hmm. So our guys could, if they do well, they could actually be racing for this event that has only been been won by international crews or mm. high-end D1s in places like Yale and Harvard and Washington and, and all that. So it'd be very interesting to be in, in that mix and, and to race, uh, to be able to race straight up against ASR Nereus would be pretty fun. So that's a possibility if they do well in the heat then. Yeah, yeah. if they get top two in the heat, I still don't have the actual lane assignments okay. for, the, <laughs> for the races, but yeah, if, yeah. They, you know, if, they can, uh, if they can get top two, then they'll be in that grand final, which would be pretty exciting. Certainly, and then um, that just remind us how many. So it sounds like what two women's boats or There's three and three. So three and three. Okay. So we're taking fifty-four okay. athletes total. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, okay. It's a big, big trip. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. And so the so for the women's third varsity eight, then are they in that same JV race as the two V? No, they're not no. in a JV race. They're in something called the women's open eight. Okay. The open so eight. Okay. it it actually ends up with. Uh, a number of the well, Washington and Texas and Stanford and all those groups are in there, right? Right, but they might be a three V like ours. Yeah, they might be a four V, right? Or they might be a combination of a three V four V because there's also an event for the varsity fours. Okay, right, and those are important for the D one because sure. they they have to have a a one, a two, and then a four, right, in order to go to the NCAA championships. Yeah. So. A lot of them are going to prioritize that varsity four over mm. this open eight, but the open eight is is a really exciting event for our three v. Yeah, it's going to be really great, and they're they're going to line up with Texas and Washington, <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. So, what are you like telling you like you know your your athletes about kind of what your hopes are for this weekend or what they can get out of it? Uh, my hopes are that it 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 helps to progress, uh, yeah, progress our team into even a, a more gelled unit earlier in the season, right? Um, normally, we wouldn't be racing until the following weekend. We go down to Boston mm-hmm. on April 2nd and 3rd. We have a race on Saturday. We practice Saturday afternoon. Then we race again Sunday. So we, that's that's usually our beginning. But to do this trip, um, it's it's like a second spring break, right? Yeah. It's it's three nights in a hotel. It's it's airfare. It's sitting on a bus at three in the morning. It's it's all those things that just help to bring a group of people together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it it really 
kickstarts the season that way. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what we're looking forward to. Are the Wellesley women going to be there? Because they're like, seem like the early season competition no. for you guys. Nope. No, no, okay. they won't be out there. They won't there. be there. Okay. No, it's, uh, <laughs> as far as East Coast crews, yeah. it's us. And I know MIT is sending a mm-hmm. bunch of boats, heavies and lights, men and women. Um, uh, not a whole lot of other okay. East, East Coast schools. So it's nice for us to go there and be, we're the only D3 yeah. that I know of. So. Okay, nice. Well, tell us about, like, um, you know, how the off-season work been going in terms of, I mean, um, you know, obviously the winter season's tough. They have to be in the erg room a lot. But how, how have you seen the team kind of develop, like, since the Charles, sort of? Um, I think they've done quite well. Um, obviously, it's just this dark period for the coaches. <laughs> yeah, you know, what you've heard about. <laughs> yeah, right? well, we're, we're sitting in the office here and yeah. scheming and all that. Right. And, but the athletes were definitely working. They yeah. did a good job. Um, I think they, the captains did well to – to kind of move the whole group forward. Uh, the two sets of captains, men and women, had, I think, two pretty different jobs. You know, the guys have have a, an older group, more mm-hmm. experienced group. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very motivated. And, uh, you know, the top end is really excited about, like, the San Diego trip, not to mention the fact that the IRA yeah. is going to open up with this new event, the D3 championship. So... They're pretty excited about all that stuff. And then the group is real deep. You know, we've got over four-eighths of guys, which we haven't had maybe once before, you know. Mm-hmm. And on the women's side, I think the captains did a great job um, because we have such a huge number of people on that side who have never raced for baits. And we're talking two-thirds of that yeah. that group has just never raced. And uh, it'll be... It's going to be interesting to just see how this young crowd reacts to the competition. And that's why, again, that's why I wanted to get them racing as soon as possible. You know, So we're excited. Great. Peter Steenstra, thanks so much. All right. Thank you. The women's lacrosse team beat Skidmore 14-13 to last Tuesday night and Hongwood number 23 nationally ranked Amherst before following 8-7 to on Saturday. Men's lacrosse dropped a pair of games at the Mustang Classic as the young Bobcats continue to get their footing. The softball team is in Florida this week, so keep an eye out at GoBatesBobcats.com for recaps of their games. And of course, we'll recap the highlights from this week next Tuesday on another episode of the Bates Bobcast. Bates, Bates.